In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. The pre-show's been absolutely electrifying, so I'm really looking forward to this show. You may think there's no Browns news going on, but I think this show's going to go off the scale. I'm here with Jack Duffin. Jack, how are you, buddy? I'm good. Um, Starting to get a little bit bored now, but I've downloaded Football Manager, so uh, everything is fantastic. Excellent. And we're also here with Ian Right, Right, Right. Ian, how are you? Hello, cats and kittens. How are you guys today? Well, you've already told me the show we're talking about afterwards <laughs> is Tiger King, and I'm looking forward to watching an episode. Yeah, you'll understand the hello, cats and kittens, once you watch that show. Yeah, I, I don't watch TV, but for you, Ian, I'm going to watch 30 minutes is the first episode, or? Uh, about 40, a little over 40 minutes. Is it as good as the blind love show in America? I don't, blind, oh, The Bachelor? No, it's called like Blind Love or something. I have no idea. Sorry, Jack. I don't, I don't watch that stuff. Anyway, we're I do watch fan. Joe Exotic, baby. Yeah. He's got to be but, a Browns fan. He's, I'll tell you right now, Baker Mayfield and Joe Exotic, they know each other. We're a Browns podcast. We're going to stay focused on the Browns. Some news. When are we going to find out about these uniforms? Jack, do you care or are you not interested? Or just hurry up and get them out? I honestly don't really care. Um it doesn't really bother me that much. I, I, I do hope they look good, but I'm not going to get up or down. I, I'm more interested in whether we sign a free safety and free agency than anything uniform related. Ian, what's your views on the uniform? Well, more importantly, Jack, I know you were uh, in search of a Baker Mayfield color rush jersey. So once the new jerseys come out, what Browns player and what jersey are you going to be looking for? Great question, Ian. So it all depends what Nick the Chubb. jerseys look like based on that. Um, it ain't going to be Nick Chubb because why would I want a jersey for a Talkie player talkie. isn't going to be there very long. Um, I, whoever I'm buying a jersey, I want to know they're at least going to be there for a few years. So it makes it tough based on the roster. I think it's more likely to be some T-shirts. In all honesty, the T-shirt um, Paul got me with the uh, I Survived the Hugh Jackson era is certainly my favourite Browns top, even over the... Uh, Miles Garrett uh, jersey that I've got, but um, that's actually nice. in his bedroom still. Sorry, Jack. I know. I, I tend to leave all my clothes on your bedroom floor. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the if you're looking for those long term guys, you're going to be looking at you know the Miles Garretts and she's um, maybe a Jack Conklin at this point. Because yeah, yeah, you're right. I think Baker would obviously be an obvious choice, but for the most part, it's not like I don't think you're going to run out and buy the Joel Batonio jersey. <laughs> Tough one, though, isn't it? What, what jersey you go with? Um, yeah. Jack, no, would you get any linebacker jerseys? <laughs> <laughs> oh, running backs to the defense, uh, that'd be a no. Um, I think if you were going to say you can get one jersey tomorrow, obviously Baker would be the temptation. But if we take Baker out of the mix, um, I would have gone in Joku in the past, but with his current predicament, that's a no. Um, wide receivers, there's none. Um, Denzel Ward? Denzel Ward is probably where I'm at. Um, 
So yeah, it'd probably be Denzel Ward. I'd go with Odell Beckham. Well, you have more money than the both of us, Paul, so that makes sense. If um, the Scottish Hammer wore number four, I'd have gone Oh, that. that's a good shout if there. If he wore number four. He doesn't wear number four, so it's a no. That's Sniper Cybert's number. You can't take that. McElhaney's going to say. Um, Jack, uh, who's the most renowned Chelsea football player who played with number seven? Number seven? Oh, sorry. Who's Scottish Hammer? What number is he? Seven, yeah? Uh, I, I can't even think of sort of a peak number seven that no one really comes to mind when I think Chelsea number seven. Well, I don't think a lot of Americans understand that. So in European soccer, the center mid is will always wear 10. So that's like the highly sought after number. So that's why I think when, you know, in college football, everybody wants to be number one, but in soccer overseas, number 10 is kind of the, the messy and the, you know, the Modric and all those guys. Yeah, it's number nine or number 10. So number 10 is a striker. Num- uh, sorry, number 10 usually plays just beyond the striker. Number nine is that sort of main man up front. And uh, it's one of them too. But obviously, uh, 23 was Beckham, is that, if I'm correct. Beckham played seven. De- uh, David Beckham? Yeah. I thought he finished his career always in number 23, no? He might have flipped later in the career, but when he was at Man United, I'm pretty sure he was number seven. Yeah, I know 23, 32 are normal common numbers as well. But guys, we're not a soccer podcast. We're a Browns podcast. What else has been going on with the Cleveland Browns this week? So there's two bits of contract news that have come out. Um, we finally got the terms on the deal for Case Keenum. So it's three years, 18 million. The first year just comes in at 2.8. Then year two comes in at 7.3. And year three is 7.8. But it's all about looking at when the out is and sort of what the options are. So the Browns are tied in definitely for two years and they could walk away after those two years. And that would mean a total spend of 11 million. Um, Yeah, 11 million um, based on the year three dead cap still included in that. Um, After the... Second year, so straight after the 2021 Super Bowl, um, when the Browns are winners, and if Case Keenum has played a part, he can pay back 3.5 million and have a void in his contract to walk away, um, which gives him the option to then just uh, go sign for another team. So if he becomes a starter, that might allow him to sort of force a bigger deal with the Browns. Um, but it just gives that nice power balance between the two. So whereas um, we saw Hooper and Conklin are very, very player-friendly deals. There's a bit more balance in terms of um, uh, Keenum, and it's a lot more player-friendly. And then there was the um, deal for Hubbard. We don't know the final details yet because um, sometimes you hear some of these things and then not all the stuff's in there. But Hubbard's got a lot cheaper on his contract in just the next year, I believe, it's going to be. Um, I don't think they've lowered too much into the future years. We don't know yet whether the fifth year is now a void, but um, that sort of stuff will come to light. But he's lowered the cost. And for me, uh, I'll see from the guys what they think, but that sort of moves Hubbard to on par with Kendall Lamb in terms of the roster. And it's just going to be which one Callahan likes most. That's going to be your battling for your third and fourth there obviously it depends what happens with Forbes and Teller at right guard one of them might dominate the interior 
and then Hubbard or Lamb become your sort of third choice tackle. But there's lots of options and depth, which is, is good on the O-line because when it goes wrong and you get a couple of injuries, if you can't get people stepping up, everything suddenly falls apart. And what's your views? The interesting thing I saw about Teller, and I'm, or I'm sorry, about Hubbard that I'm curious about is the fact that if he plays 90% of the snaps, then his contract the following year becomes guaranteed, right? Isn't that how I read it? Uh, it gives him the option to avoid it. Okay. So he obviously is betting on another free agency period, I would think. So for him to put that type of kicker in his contract, I would almost think that he thinks maybe right guard could be a spot for him. Because we know that when he was with Pittsburgh – Haley had him kind of in that flex sixth man type of role where he would play guard and bounce out and play tackle a little bit. So maybe Hubbard's looking at it as he can get in there and maybe win that right guard starting position. I think it gives him flexibility that Kendall Lamb doesn't have because Kendall Lamb doesn't play guard. For me, when I saw that, that just makes me think that there might be a trade in the off. Um, just because he can move somewhere else, play for one cheap year, and then he gets the void and he can go into free agency. Um, or it forces that team to give him a bigger deal. We take a slight signing bonus, which means some more money sort of paid up from us, um, but he frees up that option to trade him off um, and possibly get a pick. So I wouldn't rule out you could still move on. Um, I think it just frees us up with lots of different options, and uh, it was probably the trade-off. We want you to drop your number. We'll still give you this. So if we're playing you lots, then you can still walk away and get more money. Hmm. Yeah, I think it adds a little bit. I mean, at this point, I believe we're at four, a little over forty-four million in cap space. So, I, I you know, I think it frees up a little bit, but it doesn't hamstring us. Yeah, it was never going to be on the roster at the old number, um, and they've probably what has probably been they've gone out there and looked at everyone that was available. Was sort of uh, there was Lucas with the Bears. There was a few other names that I sort of mentioned. Um, earlier on in free agency of sort of guys that I'd like to bring in as that sort of third, fourth um, offensive tackle to compete with Kendall Lamb. Um, they probably looked out there and was, wasn't anyone Callahan was excited with, but then also the balance of the numbers just didn't work. And it, it made sense rather than take a dead cap hit on Hubbard, just go and uh, draft someone. Uh, sorry, not draft someone. Keep Hubbard and don't go um, chasing that sort of third, fourth offensive tackle. Stick to drafting one whether it's a 10, whether it's a trade down and pick them up. Um, but just picking someone up as your first pick, um, when that might be, who knows? Guys, a uh, question for you, okay? We did our show last week. Myself and Ian were very confident that we thought we needed a defensive end or a tackle defensive end. But our listeners definitely said their priority order was tackle, linebacker, safety, then defensive end. Jack, what's your first thoughts on that, mate? So for me, the biggest need is left tackle. Um, Hubbard and Lamb, neither of them are the answer. Um, and you can generally get away with one week apart on the O-line, and that's obviously going to be the right guard battle. You don't really want two week aparts, but it could happen. And who knows what stage a uh, offensive Ta uh, left tackle who's a rookie is going to come in and play like um, but for me that that's your your biggest need um, obviously you've got rotational needs so third wide receivers a need you've got that third defensive ends need in terms of linebacker 
lots of it comes down to what Woods wants to do. And that's really hard for us to know on the outside of how he wants to play. Because if he wants to go sort of really light on linebackers, then you can probably bodge it. You could go as low as one. Um, but when we know more from him, it will sort of start to make sense. But I've sort of set aside six, um, with a trade down, six positions I would like to address as things stand on the first four rounds of the NFL draft. And they are left tackle, wide receiver, wide receiver, defensive end, linebacker, free safety. They are my six. And obviously you're sitting there listening, but we've only got five picks in them first four rounds. Trade back, add a pick. Um, I would love to grab two wide receivers just because it prepares well for next year and moving on from either Landry or OBJ. Let's see what happens. Ian? Well, the one thing we talked about with defensive end is the draft at this point doesn't set up other than Chase Young. Now you're talking about situational pass rushers after that. There's not really a three-down pass rusher that's ready to start you know, in year one. I mean, you got guys like Caleb on Chasen and Apenza and uh, Yitter Grace Gross Matos. So these are guys that are going to come in and kind of sub-package uh, rush applications. So the Browns fans right now are under the belief, well, you have Miles Garrett. Well, that's great. But outside of Olivier Vernon, it goes to hell in a handbasket quick when you start looking at guys like Porter Gustin and Chad Thomas. So that's why it's a need is because we have no depth. However, this draft does give you the ability to where in that second round, and if you're able to add picks, like I think Jack and I are in agreement now, I think we're going to be trading back in some capacity to add picks just because of the value that draft picks bring, um, both cap-wise and depth-wise. But, you know, we still struggle when it comes to linebacker depth. You know, one of the things I think was misinterpreted last week was, you know, not what position we're going to draft at 10. I wouldn't take you know, a off the ball linebacker, so to say, not named Isaiah Simmons at 10, you know, that's where you start looking at a guy like Andrew Thomas or trading back for Josh Jones, stuff like that. But the Browns right now, outside of Sione, your starting linebackers are Sione Takitaki, BJ Goodson, and Mac Wilson in a, you know, in a 4-3. I mean, that is poo-poo poo and poo. So, you know, we, it's the biggest positional need. I'm not saying that we don't have free agency and draft and, you know, Let's be honest, there's going to be good linebackers cut between now and week one. Also, you have guys like Nigel Bradham that aren't getting the market quite that they thought. You know, I know that Correa is another name that's been talked about online. So there are options for linebacker. But at this point right now, the only thing I see with wide receiver, and I, put, I tweeted this to you the other day, Jack, is between Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, Janovich, Hooper, Najoku, Jarvis, and Odell, only five of those guys can be on the field at the same time. So if the Browns go with, say, two running backs, two tight ends, well, then you only got one wide receiver because you can only have, as, as everybody knows, five positional or skill players, quote-unquote, on the field. So if you're running a fullback and a running back, that limits your options, you know, when it comes to the pass catchers. So if we do draft, say, in the second round, a, you know, a K.J. Hamler, a K.J. Hill, you know, whoever, they're not going to get a lot of reps as a rookie. Because the Browns in going with that three wide receiver set, if I'm not mistaken, Stefanski ran the fewest three wide receiver sets in all of the NFL last year. The flip to that is if you look at Baltimore and Cincinnati, they're loading up on secondary options. So the Browns are kind of yinging when they, the other teams in the division are yanging. We're going big 
they're going fast on the outside. So I'll be curious to see how the Browns offense is going to match up with these teams that are dumping tons of money into their secondary. Yeah, just on the 22 personnel is still very, very unlikely. Um, Let's go 23, It's sort of of like league average. He was looking at, say, 7% last year. It was the fourth most used personnel grouping behind 11... um, Oh, now it's crashed behind 11, 12, and 21. But you're looking 7% across the league. And even Minnesota, who was uh, up there in the four highest, that was still only 17%. Um, but you're generally going to be looking at a nice mix between um, 11, 12, and 21. Um, but it's worth having those additional options. And you're not most of the players outside of sort of rounds one and two, you're not drafting them for the first year. Um, You want them just to be role players. You want them to be injury cover. In terms of starters, round one, round two is pretty much what you're looking at. So when I say grab two wide receivers, I'm more looking at the long term. I want to make sure we've got players there so that it's a smooth transition on from these guys. And where you might get a wide receiver in round four this year and go, that guy's really good. You might have to draft that guy in the higher end of round two next year just because the way the draft changes from year to year. So it's making a benefit of like there's value at safety, there's value at uh, wide receiver, there's value at offensive tackle. Make the most of that because the worst thing you want to be doing is drafting when the quality is not there. Like if we'd have had to take a, a left tackle in the sort of high last year, it wouldn't have been a great place to do it. So that's there but it's one that there's still going to be a a fair amount of 11 personnel um obviously part of the factor in minnesota was the injuries the sort of way the roster was built that's going to balance out a lot more this year so don't be so surprised when you see that number higher than like the 18 percent they had in uh minnesota oh that's just actually rush let me flick this. I was on rushing plays. While you're looking at that, do you think if the Browns bring back Hollywood Higgins, does that take your we need one more wide receiver and change that? Because at this point, obviously, he has the most value to the Browns. The wide receiver free agent market is an absolute dumpster fire. These guys are all thinking they're going to get money. They're not. So, you know, at this point, I, if I'm Higgins, I re-sign with the Browns for a year, do a one-year deal, low money, and then that eliminates that need. Yeah. If you sign Higgins, then the value, the sort of question is off the table because you're not going to add Higgins and plus two. Um, But it's something there until we sign someone. That's the question. But coming back to defensive end that you touched on, here's three names I want to throw out and just let me know what you think of them. And it's not going to be Everson, Griffin and Clowney. Get that out of your head, guys. Um, None of those deals will work well for the Browns, even if we go and get them. Um, Three names I want to throw out there is Vinnie Curry, Adrian Claiborne and Ezekiel Anza. I probably butchered that, but um, those three names, what do you make of those three if you could get them on a... Ideally, I'm going to throw out a two-year deal just to allow for a smooth transition and passover from Vernon to that guy. Um, Hopefully, being a starter, but at least remaining as that solid sort of third defensive end on the roster. Jack, what do you think they'll cost us as well? It's it's hard to know. Once you get to this stage of free agency, you'll see bizarre stuff. If you'd have told me straight out of the bat, like, ha-ha, Clinton Dix was getting four million. If you told me Kyle Joseph was getting two and a half, their deals I would have laughed at. So we're at a position now where who knows? And some of these players, they're just going to sign one-year deals to get onto a team. 
because with everything going on in the world, they want to know they're getting paid um, and have that guarantees. Whereas if they shut down the league, suddenly they could sit there as a whole year for as a free agent, which I, I don't think is going to happen, but it's certainly something that if you're a player, you're just signing, know you're getting something. And is Trey Boston tapped up yet or is he still a free agent? Yeah, he's gone. He stayed with the Panthers. Yeah, they re-signed him to a multi-year deal. So we won't be, we won't be able to talk about him next year because we got a contract. Yeah, um, we're too old by the end of it. I'm, I'm over. I, the, the relationship is done. I wish him all the best, but uh, we're not talking about Trey Boston. James Hankin? Hankin? Who? The guy you're going on about last year. Oh, no, that, that was two years ago. Was two Jonathan years. Hankins on a cheap deal. Oh, the old defensive tackle from Ohio yeah. State. Oh, I like him. Um, of those three names, Jack, I think Claiborne is the one that would interest me the most. Um, you know, Curry's obviously spent a majority of his career with the Eagles. Um, he's a bigger body. I don't think he'd be a terrible fit for the Browns, just given his ability to set the edge. You know, he has a little bit of that kind of Olivier Vernon tendency. The one thing I like about Claiborne is in his last contract year, I think that was the year with the Falcons. He had like six sacks in a game or something like that. He had some insane number. He's a big 10 guy, big off the edge. Um, he interests me. Ezekiel Einstein, I remember when the Lions took him top 10 and it was because of his potential upside because the guy's a freak athlete, hasn't played football that long. So of those names, I think Claiborne would be one I like. He's kind of bounced around the last few years looking. I know he got a big payday a few years ago. So I think if you're able to bring him in on a short one, you know, one or two year deal, that's not a bad idea because I think these guys in contract prove it type of years generally play pretty well, uh, pretty well above their kind of average. Yeah, them two guys are 32. So they're on sort of deals that pay them two and two and a quarter million. So they're not going to be big expensive players, but one of them two, I think, gives you really good depth at that sort of third um, defensive end. And uh, having them two years just gives you the flexibility for next year. If you have to sign them one year, they're fine. But the danger of however much I love the one year deals, and we've spoke about that on previous podcasts, there is a danger of signing too many. Because the last thing you want is we're next season and we're talking about replacing eight starters on defense or seven starters on defense. That is not a position you want to be in. So um, you can't have too many. So a cheeky little two-year deal might be helpful there. Guys, we're three and a half weeks away from the draft. And can you see the season starting in September? Yes. Yeah, I, I think it will. If you're looking at the sort of Premier League for a uh, comparison, if they don't play the rest of the season, they're looking at paying back $750 million to TV broadcasting companies for uncompleted games. And the NFL um, is not going to want to fork that out. So um, they're talking about long-term. Yeah, worst-case scenario, there's going to be reduced capacity or games behind closed doors but I don't even think that's going to be the case but um, the games are definitely going to get played um, as long as practice isn't too impeded everything should go as planned but if we don't see the growth from Baker this year and sort of parts of the offense and it doesn't come until later in the season don't be too upset because if this sort of practice time gets knocked out that is going to be a long-term consequence but uh, hey um, it just leaves more room to continue improving it's going to get better than the dumpster fire it was last year yeah, I think just with the resources we have here in the States when it comes to, you know, the availability of tests and stuff, and now that it's growing exponentially, 
the NFL teams are, you know, billion dollar businesses that are only open 16 days a year. So as we saw with the NBA players, there's a little bit of an expedited process in getting those guys the protection and the benefits they need. So the, 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 the chances of the season not happening, why couldn't we just take all of the guys, make sure that they're tested and clean, that everything is good to go, confine it, limit the media access, broadcast it on live stream. You know, we have such video capabilities. I just don't see how you wouldn't be able to control an environment with less than 100 people you know, from a team and practice standpoint. Hey guys, you know, we're going to have your dorms here. We want you to stay here. Like you can limit that kind of stuff. I just don't, I don't see it being an inhibiting factor come five months from now. Interesting point guys. We don't know what the hell was ahead of us, but uh, what I do know is I am really missing the Cleveland Browns at the moment. What I need is the 16th April to come along, the fixtures get released, and me to book my flights because I'm still going to Dallas. Woohoo! Well, Duffin, I, Duffin does Dallas. Oh boy! Now he just needs to go over there with somebody named Debbie. Yeah. <laughs> I've got but, Debbie picking us up from the airport, pal. That's even better. But yeah, I mean, I think we're at a point now where people are. It's a welcome distraction to have you know, the NFL to talk about, you know, we kind of had that little bit of a lull, a couple teams have released new uniforms and stuff. So that's kind of neat. You know, I've, I would foresee the Browns, not this upcoming week, but the following week, possibly uh, giving us our new uniforms. So that'll be something to talk about. I'm sure Twitter will go nuts, but in the meantime, it's just, you know, figuring out where the holes are. The Bengals are making some big plays in free agency. So we're trying to step up and uh, keep up with our division because the division's moving forward and the Browns need to stay on that same train. Mm. All right, guys. Anything else you want to finish up on? No, I think it's just keep your chins up, guys. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on. I'll go more into depth on sort of the cap and everything once all the deals are out there because um, there's still some we don't know. But, uh, yeah, but season's ticking along. Cannot wait for the draft. Um, I did have a half day booked off. I'm going to push it to a full day. Let's go for it. Now, I'm putting together some team-by-team -team breakdowns for the division. Hopefully, I'll have the AFC North finished. Um, basically, just showing people where the roster needs are for the other teams in the NFL, kind of where we can see them focus in uh, come draft time. Um, you know, I was looking at the Bengals last week, and you saw glaring holes at linebacker and safety, and then boom, next thing you know, they signed Vaughn Bell. They bring in Jack's guy, Josh Bynes. So, you know, other teams are filling major voids. So I'll keep that updated, you know, as the different signings come in. But just to give people kind of an idea where these holes are, I'll be curious to see, you know, what they do with Andy Dalton, who's still on the roster. But, you know, it's curious to see what other teams are doing. So that's a rabbit hole that I've gone down that I can't escape now. Excellent. All right, guys. So let's finish up by saying go Browns. We've got Connor Rogers come on the show midweek and uh, hopefully get some more Browns guys on during the pre-draft time. Yeah, go Browns. it's go Browns, baby.